Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, open up with me to the book of Matthew. Right now we are in a sermon series through the book of Acts. We're going to kick that off next week. But today I wanted to introduce a theme that we're going to be doing here at Redemption in 2024. Each year we kind of pick a theme, a goal, something that we want to strive towards as a church. A few years ago, our goal was to be bold. Last year, our goal was to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. And this year, our theme for the year is called Deeper Discipleship. Who wants to grow in 2024 like never before? Who wants to experience God's goodness like never before? Who wants to go deeper? Who wants to grow their love for God in 2024? Well, this year is your year to do that. And so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 16. But while you find your place there, I want us to look back before before we look forward. I think sometimes we get so focused on what's next and what we're gonna do and what we're gonna accomplish and where we're gonna go that we don't actually take time to stop, reflect, and look back on everything that God has done. How many of you have seen God do some great things in your life over the last year? God has been moving in our lives. God has been moving in our church. And I just want to stop and give God some praise before we move forward into what we're believing for in 2024. So let me just share with you some updates, a year-end review of 2023 of what God has done in the church. They're going to throw it up on the screen, but I just want you to celebrate with me what God is doing. In 2022, our attendance was 412, but last year... We grew by 35% as a church with an average attendance of 557. Come on, isn't that amazing? But here's what's so incredible is our next steps. You say, what is next steps? Next steps is the opportunity for people to call redemption home. It's It's to plug in and to get involved in the life of the church. And so last year, we had 210 people go through next steps. That's amazing. Praise God. Many of you, you're in the room, you went through Next Steps last year, and if you haven't, Next Steps is this Sunday, so you can start your year by taking your next step with us today. I love that our small groups, where so much life happens, we were able to grow our small groups to 251. Here's the thing that I'm excited about, because it's why we do what we do. Over 100 baptisms last year as a church. Come on, can we give God some glory? Can we give God some glory? Amen. Uh, I was talking with somebody after a first service, and he said, how many locks are on this wall? I said, I don't know, close to 400 maybe. He said, well, we're going to need to get a bigger lock wall for our new building. Can I get an amen? Amen. Oh, man. And here's, uh, here's amazing is we had, we had 1,241 Connect cards filled out last year. That's first time guests who are saying, I want to learn more about getting involved in over a thousand connect cards last year alone. That's incredible. And then here's something that is important to to us as a church is we grew our giving from 823,000 to 1.446 million dollars last year in generosity that you guys have given to the church. Last year we kicked yeah, somebody can applaud that. Thank you. 
Last year, we started what we call Multiply, which is a two-year generosity initiative for us as a church. It's got three goals, our, our church, our community, and our, and our world. And so what is that all entailing? It, it means that we're going to be moving into a new building by the end of this year. Praise God for that. We're going to get a new roof. Can I get an amen, somebody? But it's more than that. It's not just for our church. It's for our community and for the world. And because of your generosity last year, we were able to give away almost $88,000 back into our community with outreach, with missions, local, global, and all around Southeast Texas. $88,000 back into the community. Isn't that amazing? Praise God for what you guys have done. And then the rest of it has gone in towards our, our, our general fund, but here's what's so incredible, is that because of your generosity, we are now at 50% fully funded for our new building. Come on, isn't that amazing? 50% full funds for our new building. But I believe that God has more in store for us in 2024, amen? And I know what some people are thinking. You're like, okay, Byron, for you, is it all about the numbers? Is that, is that why you, you show us this? Well, I'll show it for two reasons. One, because transparency increased trust. And so we're not hiding this behind a members meeting. We're just giving it out in the public, right? Because transparency increases trust. We want you to know that redemption's a place that you can trust. But beyond that, every number has a name. Every name has a story. And everybody's story, it matters to God. These are not just numbers on a screen. These are names that God loves and that God cares for and that God sent his son Jesus to die for. Every number has a name and every name has a story. These are stories of life change through Jesus. These are stories of addictions that have been broken, of marriages that have been reconciled, of testimonies that have been shared, of healings that have taken place, of miracles that have happened, of breakthroughs in people's lives. These are stories stories of people who were lost, but now they're found. They were blind, but now they can see. They were dead, and now they are alive. These are the stories that matter to us because it matters to God, and every story is a testimony of life change through Jesus. And for us here at Redemption, that's what we are all about. You might be new and you're like, what is, what is redemption all about? I'm telling you what we're all about. We're all about that life change through Jesus. That's what we're about. I mean, we put it on the wall so you could see it when you walked in the lobby. We put it on our website because you checked it out before you came to church. We put it on our Instagram and social media because I know you'd be following us and watching some messages before you come through the door. And we even put it on a t-shirt. But in case you missed it, I put it in the sermon notes. Go and pull out your notes and write it in right there. Life changed through? Jesus. Let's say it one more time. Life changed through? Jesus. Say it like you mean it. Life changed through? Jesus. Amen. I love to hear it. Because that's why we exist together as a church, to help people experience life change through Jesus. That's our, our why behind what we do. And what we're going to talk about today is how we accomplish that. The why behind redemption is life change. Okay, but how 
do we do that? Well, we do it by doing what Jesus told us to do 2,000 years ago in something that is known as the, the Great Commission. Here's what we read in Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I want to pause there because I know that that's what this room is filled with. There's some of you, you came here first Sunday of 2024 after a no service Sunday. You were like, I can't wait to worship. I'm ready to get my worship on. I'm ready to sing and praise and be in the presence of God. Who is here ready to worship this morning? Now, I also know that there's people in the room who you're not yet sure. It's okay. It's been that way for a long time. There's some who worshiped and there's some who doubted. And some of you, you're not yet there. You're on the fence of faith. You're looking over, trying to decide, am I going to follow Jesus? Is this year going to be the year that I'm going to go all in? And I want to help you today make that most crucial, important decision of your life, to go all in for Jesus this year. Because there's some who you're ready. There's some who you're not quite yet ready, but you're here, you're close, and I want to help. And so I'm going to help you, help us figure out how we experience life change together. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what we see. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority on heaven and earth belong to me. Now, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even until the very end of the age. How many of you are glad that Jesus is with us? That he is with us now, he is with us tomorrow, he is with us until the day that he comes back. Jesus is still with us. He's with us until the end of the age, which means he's with us now. And if Jesus hasn't come back, then that means that Jesus is still expecting us to do the last thing that he tells us to do. How many of you know last words are important? Amen? The last thing you tell somebody is oftentimes the most important thing you want for them to remember. I remember when my great-grandfather was passing away, me and Ashley went and visited him in the hospital. She was pregnant with Esther. We had just planted the church, and he was praying for us. And I leaned in, and I, I listened because I knew that those last words were very important. But for me as a, as a dad today, another example is we just bought our first house. We just moved in. This week has been crazy, packing, unpacking. And my, my daughters who are out of school right now, they're like, new house, no rules. <laughs> and so they're jumping on all the different furniture. They're running around in every single room. And I had to go and take care of some errands and some business. And they were already misbehaving. And I sat down and I looked at my girls and I said, okay, listen, daddy's about to leave for the day and you're going to be with mom. And when I get back, I better hear that you guys obeyed, right? They're like, yes, sir. Because if your mom texts me, wait until your daddy gets home, you know, we're going to be in some trouble. Yes, sir. I said, what do you want me to do? She said, I want you, you want me to behave? Okay, Yes. In a, in a real sense, that's very similar to what we read here. Jesus says, I'm going to go for away a while, and I want you to obey. I want you to do what I tell you to do. Because one day Jesus is going to come back. And when he comes back, our job is to help more people be ready for the day that Jesus returns. 
helping people experience life change. Theologically, this is what's known as the, the great commission. Now, if you grew up going to church, then you're probably familiar with this, right? If you were Baptist, then you might have got a little Awanas button. Anybody go to Awanas in Sunday school? You had to learn. First verse you had to learn, right? The great commission, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? If you're like me, went to Royal Rangers, right? You, you probably got a, a, a badge that quotes this verse, and if not, you've heard it in a sermon, you've heard it through Sunday school, and we've heard it all the time. And we think, oh yeah, the Great Commission, that just means go and tell people about Jesus and go send out missionaries and, and go and, and share your faith with others. And that's true, but that's not all that it is. There's actually more to it than that. But in order for us to understand it, we have to first start with recognizing that it takes a commitment to fulfill this. Here's how I put it in your notes. A great commitment to the Great Commission is what makes a great church. So right now, it's the new year. You're wondering, well, how, how do I plug into the church? How do I find the right church? Am I in the right church? What is it that makes a, a great church? Because you want to grow in your faith. You want to learn about Jesus. You want to make a difference. Well, you want to be involved in, in, in a great church. What is it that makes a great church? I, I'll, I'll tell you what it's not. Great worship does not make a great church. So if you're trying to pick a church, don't pick a church because of the worship. It, 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 great kids ministry, sorry, JC, great kids ministry doesn't make a great church. Great preaching doesn't make a great church. Like if you're picking a church because of the preaching, if you're picking a church because of the kids ministry, if you're picking a church because of the worship or because how good the coffee is, not very good, by the way. Can I just tell you those are the wrong reasons to find a church? So what do you look for when you're, you're looking for a church, a place to grow, a people to, to do life with, to learn God's word? What do you look for? Here's what you look for. You look for a church that has a great commitment to fulfilling the Great Commission, to a church that is focused on reaching the lost and making disciples and raising up leaders and sending out missionaries and planting other churches. You want to find a church that is hell-bent on people going to heaven. That's what you want to find, a church that loads up its baptism tank and storms the gates of hell every single opportunity that they get. You want to find a church that is committed to the things that Jesus told us to be committed to. A great church is one who is committed to fulfill the Great Commission. And that goes beyond just getting people in the seats. That means we also have to equip, teach, and send people out into the streets, into their neighborhoods, into their homes, into the community, and to all around the world. It doesn't just start with making disciples, but it continues as disciples are made, number two, matured, and number three, multiplied. So that's the outline. I already gave it to you up front. So all of you just really eager people, go ahead and start filling out your note sheet now. <laughs> Number one, make disciples. So how do we at redemption make disciples? Here's the first thing that we see. Jesus says, they came to him and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. In order for us to understand what God's called us to be, first we must understand this, this word because everything else is, is really hinges upon how we just define the word here, disciple. What is a disciple? It's not a word that we use in our English vernacular very much anymore. But the word disciple, it means a follower, a student, an apprentice, or a learner. Somebody who is committed to the teachings of another person. As 
Christians, as redemption, as members of the church, here's what I want you to know. We are committed to the teachings of Jesus. That's what here at Redemption, we just open the Bible, we say what it says, we learn it, we do it, we apply it, we live it. We are committed to fulfilling the, the teachings of what this book says, because here's the truth is y'all don't want to hear what I think. Right? You don't want to know what I, you don't, you don't want to hear another eloquent TED talk from me, right? Because I ain't that smart. Ask the staff. They know, right? Thank you. <laughs> you don't need, hear, need to hear me. You need to hear God's word, the teachings that is found in this book to commit and to devote and to radically reorient our lives around the teaching of Jesus. That's what the word disciple means, that we are followers of Jesus. And in order to do this, what you have to understand is that it is not about what happens on a Sunday, but it's what happens every day of your life. It's not just a checklist, it is a to-be list. It is not just something we put on the wall. It's something that God has placed in our heart. It's not just on our website, but it's lived out in our life. And here's the way we would say it here at Redemption. In order to make disciples, you got to grasp this, is that life change is a lifestyle. That we live a lifestyle of following Jesus. Not just on Sunday, but every day. Not just at church, but at home and at work. Whenever people are watching, when people aren't watching. It's a lifestyle of following after Jesus. Not just lip service where we posted a, a Bible verse in our Instagram bio, not just lip service by getting a tattoo that says faith or wearing a WWJD bracelet or wearing a Christian shirt or listening to Mav City when we're driving in our car on the radio. No, 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 that's just lip service. We're not just here to offer lip service. No, we are here to experience life change. And if you want to experience life change, then that comes from adopting the lifestyle that Jesus models for us. So how do we do that here at Redemption? We have what we call five core values. These are, these are the ways in which we help people experience life change. And here's what I can guarantee. If you practice these five things on a daily basis over the course of this year, your life will look radically different at the end of the year than it did at the beginning of this year. So what are these values? Number one, worship, community, evangelism, serving, and generosity that we wanna help people experience life change through worship, that we get passionate about the presence of God, gathering with God's people. The Bible says, forsake not the assembly or the gathering together. Man, we wanna be passionate about worshiping Jesus. Number two, we wanna be living in community with others, that we are doing life together. The way we say it is that life change doesn't happen in the lobby. Life change happens in the living room. It's whenever you get outside of the walls of this church and you open up your heart and you open up your home to be able to be vulnerable and to care, to share, and to do life with others. That's where real life change happens. Number three is evangelism, sharing your faith, inviting others to church, telling people about Jesus. Number four, serving by using your gifts and talents to further the kingdom of God in other people's lives. And number five, generosity. I love what Martin Luther, he says this, the great reformer, he said, the last part of a person to get saved is their wallet because it shows us the area in our lives that we have yet to surrender and submit to the Lordship of Jesus. 
And Jesus even says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so we teach people to live a lifestyle of radical, audacious generosity through worship, through community, through evangelism, serving, and generosity. These are not just things we do. This is who we are. These words, they don't just describe us. They define us here at Redemption because we have come to understand that life change is a lifestyle. Another way to say it is this. Think about your habits. Your habits determine your health. Right? Think about it. It's New Year's. People are making a decision to have good habits this year, right? The top five out of all New Year's resolutions were regarding health in some way. I want to lose weight. I want to eat better. I want to get back to the gym. I want to get mental health, right? I want to go to bed early, whatever it is. The top five all centered around health because people want to be healthy. And in order for you to be healthy, you have to have good habits. If you want to, you know, financially prosper, you want to save money this year, you need to figure out how to have good financial habits, like starting with a budget and saying no to... Chick-fil-A three times a week. I know it's the Lord's chicken. I know, but put it down. <laughs> Your budget will thank you. You got to have good financial habits, health. You got to have good physical habits, going to the gym, diet, exercise, rest. Those things are, are necessary for good physical habits. Well, there are spiritual habits that God wants for us to develop as well. If you want to grow, you got to have good habits because your habits determine your health. And worship, community, evangelism, serving, generosity, these are the habits that we advocate, we teach, we practice so that way our church can be healthy. Do you want to be spiritually healthy this year? Then practice these spiritual habits, not just on Sundays, but every day. And that's how we as a church, we make disciples together. But that's just the first part. And oftentimes, and to be honest, in the history of our church, this is where we've stopped most of the time. We're like, yay, we're making disciples. But the problem is, is we have not fulfilled the Great Commission in full. Because we have made disciples, but we have not done the second part, and that is to mature disciples. Because it's not just enough for us to make disciples, but we also must mature disciples as well. Think about it like a family. It's fun making babies, right? It's hard raising them. But if all we did was go around and make disciples, but we didn't mature disciples then we wouldn't be doing our job as, as, you wouldn't be doing your job as a parent, right? Then I wouldn't be doing my job as your pastor. And we wouldn't be doing our job as a church because we would be reaching people, but we wouldn't be teaching people, we wouldn't be keeping people, and we definitely wouldn't be sending people either. So there's a second part to it, and that is to mature disciples. And this is the part that gets, that's tricky, and here's the reason why. Because I believe that for many of us, most of us, and even in the church in the West, we have made Christianity too easy and we've made discipleship too difficult. So what, what do I mean by that? Well, we've reduced Christianity down to a belief system. We've reduced Christianity down to uh, a, a doctrine or facts, information. But information without application does not lead to transformation in a person's life. It's not enough for us to know who Jesus is but we have to grow and do the things that Jesus tells us to do. We've made Christianity too easy. We've boiled down Christianity to this, to bow your head, close your eyes, pray this prayer, and repeat after me. 
Congratulations, you're a Christian now. You're going to heaven when you die. That's great when you die. But what about when you are alive? What are we going to do in the meantime? Are we just going to do nothing and just wander around in circles, aimlessly drifting until the day Jesus comes to take us home? No, 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 that's not what he says. Here's, here's actually what he says. He says this. He says, and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded of you. It's not enough for us to make disciples. We need to mature them. It's not just enough for us to reach people. We need to teach people how to obey and to follow after Jesus. We made Christianity too easy. If you were to go around and ask anybody here in Southeast Texas, are you a Christian? They would say, yes. Well, how do you know you're a Christian? Well, because I was baptized when I was in first grade, because my grandmother, she prayed for me, because I went to that youth camp one time with my charismatic friend, and that lady bopped me on the head, and I fell down, and I started flopping like a fish, and I think I smoke in tongues, right? Oh, is that how you know you're a Christian? That's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say you become a disciple of Jesus when you bow your head, close your eyes, pray this prayer, and, and repeat after me. No, here's what it says. Jesus says, when you deny yourself, pick up your cross and you follow after me. It's a lot different than what we've been sold. Because we've been told, oh, it's enough for you to be a Christian. But the word Christian only appears in the Bible three times. The word disciple appears 269 times. That it's not enough for us to know who Jesus is. But we need to follow Jesus with our lives. So how do we become disciples? How, how do we do that here at Redemption? Well, we have what is called a discipleship pathway. It's a journey that we all go on so that way we can mature in our faith as we follow after Jesus. It's, it's a journey. And every journey starts with a, a single step. And so I want to share with you our discipleship pathways so I can help you take your next steps in this new year. So here's this discipleship pathway. Let me show you. Uh, the first step in our pathway to becoming more like Jesus at Redemption is this, is to attend. So you made it. You completed the first step. Give yourself a round of applause. Come on. You did it. Everybody starts at one. Right, And this is the first Sunday of the year, so it's perfect attendance Sunday. Go ahead. Uh, and then after that is our next steps. Next steps is your best opportunity to get plugged into the life of the church. There's always a next step when you're walking with Jesus. God wants more for us than just to attend church. He wants for us to be the church, and next steps helps you do that. So we want to help you take your next steps, which is actually every first Sunday, this Sunday at 2 o'clock. We have lunch. We have kids' church is provided for us, and then we want to help plug you into what is called a serve team. And it's on this serve team that you get to meet new people. You get to surround yourself with other believers. Use and learn your gifts and talents to make a difference in other people's lives. And then number four is a small group. And these small groups are Bible studies that happen in homes all around Southeast Texas where you can go deep, not only with God's word, but also with God's people. We share meals together. We share and laugh and we cry together. We pray for each other and we're helping hold each other accountable and encourage one another outside of the walls of the church. And then is membership. 
Now, next steps is not membership. Next steps is your first step, but membership is whenever you lay your roots down. You say, redemption is my home church. Membership is when the church goes from, oh, I go to that church to that's my church. It's where you take ownership of your church. It's where it goes from, 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 from them to us. It's where church goes from what's best for me to the, to the we, to the others who are around us. That's where membership happens at. And some people would say, oh, membership's not biblical. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says that we are all members of the body. And so we see that everybody has a, a member. And so we are to be having members within our, our body. And then it leads to this number six, which is brand new. This is the first time we've ever done this. It's our growth classes. Because here's what we've kind of learned is in 2024, there are people who want to grow. They just don't know how to. It's not like whenever I was a kid going to church where we had Sunday school and we had mentors and we had godly mature saints in the faith. And we, we had people who walked with us through these important growing areas of our life. Well, today, that's, that's really not available for a lot of people. And I've seen in our church all the time, people come in, they get saved, they get passionate, they get fired up, and then they're like, what, what do I do now? Like, where do, I, where do I go? I got all this passion, but I don't know what to do with it. Because we oftentimes in church tell people what to do, we don't teach them how to do it. And so what we're going to introduce now is what is called a growth class. And for example, this Wednesday, we're going to continue this study with our first ever midweek series called Deeper Discipleship. We'll have worship and a message and application for us starting this Wednesday. And then it's going to roll into our growth classes. We have three. We're going to have freedom, which is about inner healing, getting past your past. Who's loved freedom so far? Come on. Isn't that amazing? And then we're going to offer church membership. But here's one that's brand new. It's Theology 101. And I'm going to be teaching it. It's a six-week systematic theology covering the basic doctrines of the Christian faith. And we're going to help you learn more about what it means to be a Christian. Those are our growth classes. Theology 201, I'm really excited about this, is going to be over world religions and cults. Because so many people don't know what they believe, and so they end up just believing anything. And so we're going to get into that, which leads to the last one is a call to leadership. Now, not everybody is called to vocational pastoral leadership, but there are leaders at every level of our church. From the parking lot to the pulpit, there is a place for you. And we want to help you discern that call in leadership. We have one man who, uh, this, by the end of this year, him and his family are going to be sent out as full-time missionaries, raised up in-house from our church, sent out overseas. Isn't that amazing? Can we give it up for the call of God in their life? And, and it all started right here. Step one, to attend. And over the last couple of years, they've just walked through this pathway. And we have, we have our staff who, they are all homegrown in our church because we believe that leaders are formed, not found. They are built, not bought. And our team has all been self-raised up from within our church, walking through this pathway. And what's so exciting about this is that no matter who you are or where you're at, there is always a next step in following Jesus. You never run out of next steps when you're walking with Jesus. And my dream, my goal is for us as a church to be able to say what Paul says, that I am able to present you fully mature before the day of the Lord. 
Like my job isn't just to make disciples, but we also have to mature disciples as well. And there's a lot of people, and they're like, well, I am mature, pastor. How do you know a person's mature? I'll tell you, it's not because of the verses they have memorized. It's not because of how many books they have in their library. It's not how many systematic theologies they've read or how many verses they quote or how many worship songs they know. Because maturity isn't what you know, but it's what you do with what you know. Like you can know a lot, but if you don't do anything with it, then that's not full maturity. You can know the difference between right and wrong and still not choose to do right, which means that's not maturity. Let me give you another example. See, you can know that a tomato is a fruit, but maturity is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. (laughs) See, maturity isn't what you know, but it's what you do with what you know. See, when Jesus says, go and make disciples, he, he doesn't say, go and make really smart, educated people. He doesn't say, go and learn a whole lot of information. No, he says, go and make disciples and then teach them to obey everything that I've told you to do. Knowledge without obedience is not maturity. Because if you know what to do and you don't do it, the Bible says that is sin. And so our job isn't just to, to make disciples. We want to mature disciples as well, which means some of you, you've been walking through this pathway and you have not taken a next step This year is your year to take your next step, to go deeper in your discipleship, to go further in your walk with Jesus. So that way we can not only make disciples, but that way we can mature disciples as well. Which leads us to our final point is number three, to multiply disciples. He says, surely I am with you always, even until the end of the age. These are the last words that Jesus tells his church. Go make disciples, teach them. And I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Question, who does Jesus give this command to? His disciples. Who are you? A disciple. Which means the great commission is not my job. It's not Ethan's job. Now, JC does an incredible job with our next gen and all the kids that are running around here. Can we give it up for our next gen ministry? Love what God's doing through next gen. It's not JC's job. Whose job is it? It's our job. Because a church is not a place Church is a people. A church is not a place that we go. It's a people that we do life with. Church is not a, a building. The church is you and me. Together. God's people. I remember uh, not too long ago, I was having a conversation with a young girl in our church, and she came from another church. She's a great young girl, and she, she said to me, she said, um, talking about life change, right? How, how do we help people experience life change? She said, I've experienced so much life change here. That is amazing. I said, how have you helped somebody else experience life change? Like a great question to ask is if God answered all of your prayers, whose life but yours would be any different? I said, how have you helped somebody else? She said, oh, well, I, don't, I don't do that. Said, what do you mean? She's like, oh, yeah, I'm not. Like, I, I just come to church for me. 
So have you gone to next steps? No, I don't get into next steps. I don't serve in churches. You know, I'm, I'm, that's not about, I'm just, I'm just, I, just, it's, I just, I need to experience life change. It's like, that's great. But how have you helped others? She said, no, that's not my job. So well, whose job is it? She said, that's your job. I said, oh, like this girl has a flawed understanding of what a church actually is. Because a church is not a 501c3 organization. A church is not a building. A church is not a staff. What is a church? A church is you and me. It's who we are. It's all of us. A church is us. You, me. Which means it's not my job to make disciples. If you're a disciple, it's your job to make disciples as well. Because disciples make, mature, and multiply disciples. Listen, we got to get to this point to where we understand that we have not been called or sent by Jesus to make decisions, but to make disciples. And it's great whenever people come to church and raise their hands, but what's even better is when they make a commitment to live their lives following Jesus. We're not told just to make decisions, but rather to make disciples. Not told just to give people information about Jesus, but help them to be able to experience the transformation that what Jesus does in their life. And if Jesus has not yet returned, anybody look around? Is Jesus back yet? I'm praying every day he does. I don't know what chapter of the book of Revelation I'm living in right now, but it's... 2024, buckle up, buttercup, and get a helmet because any day, he's one day closer to coming back than he was yesterday, amen? Amen. So what do we do in the meantime? Well, we do what Jesus told us to do. We make disciples, we mature disciples, and we multiply disciples because he is with us always. Redemption, he is with us. How long? Always. Even until the end of the age. And if Jesus isn't come back, that means that you and me and we, we still have work to do. And this is important because some of you might not have ever been told this. You might not have ever felt this. You may not have ever known this. But God has a purpose for your life. That you were made on a purpose and for a purpose. And that God did not save you. This is important. Listen. God did not save you to fill a seat. He has saved you to fulfill his purpose for your life. He has more in store for you in 2024 than in any year in the past. He has so many plans for your life. He's got a destiny for your life. He's got a legacy for your life. He wants you to make a difference in this world. And it's not about you filling a seat. It's about you fulfilling God's plans and purpose for your life. You are so much more than a number on a screen. You are a a child of God whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And you have a story that God is writing. And he wants you to get out of the seat. And he wants you to get 
in his will. And he didn't save you just for you to sit in a seat. He saved you to fulfill a purpose. There are people around you that you and only you can reach. I can't reach them, but you can. I don't have a relationship with them, but you do. There are prayers inside of you that only you can pray. I can't pray them for you. I can agree with you, but I can't pray them for you. There are miracles that are waiting to happen when you step out and I can encourage you and I can push you a little, but you gotta be the one who steps out in the faith. God has saved you for a reason. Don't waste it. Let 2024 be the year that you go all out for Jesus, that you go all in for Jesus. Let it be the year that life change happens more than ever before. Life change in your marriage, life change in your kids, life change in your addictions, life change at your job, life change in the relationships that all around you. Let this year be the year of life change through Jesus. That this year would be the year we see more marriages restored. We see more addictions broken. We see more salvations, more testimonies, more stories be told. This is the year we see more baptisms. We see more missionaries be sent out. We see more churches be planted. We see more in 24. Let this be the year of life change through Jesus in my life, in your life, in their life, in Southeast Texas, from Beaumont and beyond. Let this be a great year that starts with the Great Commission. See, how can redemption or how can 2024 be a year like no other? It starts with us doing the last thing that Jesus told us to do and making it a commitment. I'm gonna commit myself for one year. I'm gonna go all out, I'm gonna go all in. I'm gonna commit for one year, one year of my life dedicated to fulfilling the Great Commission this year. I'm gonna pray for the lost. I'm gonna share my faith like never before. I'm gonna read my Bible. I'm gonna go deeper in my discipleship. I'm gonna love my church more in 2024. I'm gonna give one year of my life to fulfilling the Great Commission. And I tell you what, at the end of this year, I will tell you that a great year starts by fulfilling the Great Commission with your life. It's the last thing Jesus told us to do, which means it's the most important thing for us is to fulfill the Great Commission. How do we do that? By making disciples, by maturing disciples, and by multiplying disciples. Right now, some of you, you're in the room, and some of you, you're here to worship, but others of you, you're doubt, doubting. I want to give you the opportunity to become a disciple today by following Jesus with every head bowed and every eye closed. All authority on heaven and earth belong to him. And the reason that you're here today is because he is calling you to follow him. You wouldn't be at church today 
if Jesus wasn't calling you. The same way he called them on that countryside 2,000 years ago is the same way he's calling you today to follow after him, to be his disciple, to be his student, to be his follower. And if that's you in the room today and you hear the call of Jesus, follow me, follow me, follow me. I'm gonna give you the count of three, one, two, three, to slip your hand up. We wanna walk with you through this journey of discipleship. One, Jesus is calling you. Two, thank you, Jesus is calling you. Three, follow me, slip your hand up. We wanna walk with you through this journey of discipleship. One hand in the back, two hands in the front. Three, five, four. Praise Jesus. Come on, church, can we give it up for four people? Now listen, here's what I said earlier. This is, this, this, this is just the starting line. God has more after this. So what we wanna do is walk with you. So first step is coming to our prayer team after this service. Let us get to know your name so we can tell your story. So we're gonna have a prayer team in the front. They're gonna pray with you after the service. Please come forward. Don't, 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 don't just come and have an emotional moment without having some transformation that goes along with it. So some need to be made into disciples. Number two, maybe this is your year to mature as a disciple. Like I've been one, but I wanna grow deeper. Well, join me this Wednesday for at 6.30 for our deeper discipleship. Doors open at 6.30. And we wanna help you walk through this process together. And be sure to sign up for a class coming up soon. But that's our goal, to mature you. And then lastly, number three is to, to multiply disciples. I want you to think, where are you at on this pathway? And what's your next step in following Jesus? Maybe you're here attending, come to Next Steps. Maybe you've been to Next Steps. It's time for you to join a small group. Maybe you've been a small group for four years. This could be your year to lead one. What is your next step that you can take in this new year? Is it to make disciples? Is it to mature disciples? Or is this your year to multiply and fulfill the Great Commission?